0: All right, welcome back to Isolated But Not Alone. On today's episode, we're going to switch from theories that are based out of transgenerational, meaning the problems pass on through the generations. We're going to skip kind of an entire section of foundational family-based therapies, and we're going to kind of jump to what's going on right now. And then I'm going to eventually go back to the kind of the meat and potatoes. Um, the reason why I'm kind of jumping around here is because I want to kind of compare kind of how these thoughts initially came to be in family therapy and kind of where they are now so that you can kind of see the, the transition. And then I'll kind of go back into the middle and discuss some of the kind of foundational theories uh, that therapists practice in marriage and family therapy. So on this set of episodes, we're going to be focusing on solution-oriented theories. These theories are more modern. They're based on more modern ways of looking at people and communication and language. And they're not focused on problems like the previous set of theories were. Instead, they're more focused on solutions. So stay tuned. Hi, this is James Raines, and you're listening to Isolated but not alone, a podcast that seeks to bring mental health awareness to rural and isolated communities. I just wanted to take this time to let you know that this and other content produced by James Raines is not therapy and is not intended to be therapy or to replace therapy. Nothing in this podcast indicates or creates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek one in your area if you are experiencing any type of mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as specific life advice, and it is simply for the purpose of education. All right, welcome back to Isolated But Not Alone. On this episode, we're going to be focusing on solution-oriented theories. And we're not going to discuss all of them on this episode. I'm going to kind of give a generic overview of solution-oriented theories, and today is November 1st. It is the first day after my second favorite holiday in the United States. I have to say that now because my podcast has become very popular in other countries, and so there's lots of different countries listening in, and from some of the locations I can see, it's probably from pretty isolated and rural places within those countries. And so I have to share that my second most favorite holiday in the United States is the holiday of Halloween. And I know multiple countries celebrate Halloween. And in Minnesota, it's been a balmy 40 degrees. And in my area specifically, where there's not a lot of trees and other things to uh, prevent wind or maybe slow down wind or get in the way of wind. Um, there's often pretty heavy winds in this area, wind gusts. And so I decided to go to a local festival um, that's held in our town. And I'm the kind of father that really likes to get involved with my children and, and to give them the kind of the childhood. And I know I've discussed this on other podcasts, but to give them the childhood that I myself did not experience. And that includes things like having my parents, in a way, be invested in my life in a positive and and helpful way where I can um, see them being examples and to learn from them. And so Halloween is a time for me because not only do I get to do that, but it's my favorite or second favorite holiday. And so I get to participate. And so last year I got a big blow-up Tyrannosaurus Rex costume. And so if you could imagine, this thing is a massive, I don't even know, cheaply made, almost thin as paper suit that has a built-in um, blower in it. And it blows itself up. And, you know, and I'm kind of a, a large, muscular guy. And so it's hard for me to get to get in it because even with the extra large size, it's a bit too small. And so I um, dressed up in that and I got paraded around by my Two little ones um, in a town festival. And I'm quite sure that it was quite the sight to see from the outside of the costume because it was a sight to see others inside the costume looking at me. And the the looks I kinda got where is this a is this a child or is this a grown person in this um, in this suit? And so it was quite a fun time where my girls were very excited that their daddy was the, the big dinosaur and they got to lead me around. And, and what, what my daughters didn't realize was there was a little bit of a, a political joke <laughs> involved in my costume because um, the Tyrannosaurus Rex was actually wearing mittens that resembled the mittens that Bernie Sanders, a local—well, not a local, but an American politician— uh, Wore in a very famous meme where he's sitting there with his mittens on looking kind of grumpy at some event. And so I was actually uh, Bernie Sorus Rex. I don't know if anybody got it. so But I got it and that was the important part. And so as I sit in my office today with a hot chocolate, trying to stay warm and take the time to share with everybody who's listening about these theories. And again, I always want to give credit where credit is due. I did not invent any of these theories. I am not the be-all, end-all expert in these theories. I'm simply summarizing some of the major points of these theories as I have learned them and sometimes seen them practice so that folks in rural and isolated communities can kind of get an understanding about how therapists are viewing mental health and how they define mental health. And so... Last week, we kind of finished up the transgenerational theories. And those theories proposed that problems are passed down to the generations. So every theory that we talked about under that umbrella all had that theme in common of problems passing down to the generations. So now we're going to jump decades of foundational work in marriage and family therapy. And we're going to focus in on some of the more modern Theories And what I mean by modern is I don't necessarily mean timeline-wise. I don't necessarily mean chronologically modern, though some of them are. I meant more that they are focused on a more constructivist mindset, which is a more modern philosophy of how people view the transmission of knowledge. And that's important because how people view the transmission of knowledge also informs how they view problems and change and what's interesting the other theories that we looked at were highly focused on the problem what has happened what has caused this to be and they were very invested in the history of a person and not just the history of that person but maybe the history of the generations before them and that makes sense when you think about it because they're trying to track down this generational problem Well, now we're going to switch almost 180 degrees and we're going to look at theories that wouldn't even like to be categorized as defining a problem. So if you were to talk to one of the theorists or one of the therapists who work with this type of therapy, they're not even going to want to talk about the historical problems. Because folks who practice under the umbrella of solution-oriented theory, feel that problems are are basically constructs. They're created. Or they're ways of thinking that are created. Something is created by something. And in this case, they're created by individuals, maybe their families, or even the community at large or society. And people get stuck and kind of seeing problems in such a minimal way or such a narrow way that they miss the plethora the myriad, the enormity of the creative solutions that might exist that they can utilize to solve that problem. And you can see from hearing that, that this theory is going to be very opposed, in a sense, to trying to define historical problems, because that's assumed in a way. Instead, they're going to focus on creating solutions to a problem. And solutions are different than solving a problem. And they don't necessarily have to be related to the problem. Solving problems has to be related to the problem. If you're going to solve a problem, first you have to have a problem in order to solve it. And then solving it defines or basically means that you have addressed that problem and the problem has been resolved and it is no longer. Creating solutions, on the other hand, you might bypass the problem completely by finding something completely different to address whatever the problem might be creating in your life. So let me give you a quick example of what I mean. So part of marriage and family therapy dives into therapy with individuals who are struggling with sexual disorders. And one way to look at this is a lot of times couples will come in and they'll say, we're not having sex and that's the problem. We're not having sex. We want to have sex. That's the solution. But we're not having sex. Somebody who's focused more on a solution might not connect those two things as problem and solution. Or they might connect those two things, but instead see sex as the symptom of another problem. So one way they might look at that is they might inquire about times when the couple has been having satisfying sex in their relationship. And the couple might hypothetically or theoretically say, "Um, we have when we've been communicating better. The therapist might then go on to say, well, give me some examples of the times when you have communicated more clearly. And then the couple might explain the times where they've communicated more clearly. And so what the therapist is doing there is they are highlighting they are bringing kind of to the forefront of the minds of the clients, the exceptions to the problem. To continue this example, then, is the therapist might then go even deeper into the situation and say, kind of define for me or tell me about the times when you were communicating well. What did that look like? And The couple might say, well... We sat down each day after dinner and we discussed what was going on in our days. We both have jobs, we work a lot, and it was nice to sit down and share with each other parts of our lives. And then the therapist might say, okay, and what has happened between now and then?" And they might say, "Well, now we have kids and we can't sit down and and have those discussions." So then the therapist might then try to find a way with working with the clients to find another time. Or to enhance the times when they can sit down and talk and share about their lives. Another type of solution-oriented therapy might see the problem as a narrative or a story that influences the client's life. And they might seek to try to like free them from that story or the problem that's oppressing them. They might see that the real problem isn't the problem that the client is defining. The problem is that the client believes the problem is a problem. And they will focus on helping the client to find alternatives. Some therapies externalize that problem in order to do so. So instead of, for example, we'll jump back to that couple that I was using as an illustration before. So one might, one couple might point the finger at the other couple and say, you know, it's your fault Because you work too much and you don't take the time when you get home to sit down with me and talk. Or, and vice versa, the other partner might point the other partner, so, well, you're always so tired, you know, maybe that partner's been staying at home with the kids and working from home online, you know, you're so tired when I get home, we just don't have any, we don't have any energy and you're moody and I don't want to talk to you or I'm exhausted from working all day and I want some, you know, some rest, And vice versa, there's a thousand different combinations of how this could go. And so the therapist hearing that is going to take time to externalize that problem. They're going to make the problem a problem, essentially. It's not the other person in the coupleship that's the problem. The problem is is that they're tired and exhausted and do not seem to have the energy to have discussions. And these theories are also very focused on empowering the client. Empowering the client to see that they themselves have the power to solve their problem or to create a solution for their problem. All these solution-based or solution-oriented theories see problems as language versus communication. And we're going to talk a little bit more in the future about why that's important because kind of what we skipped over with decades of mental health research and theories and therapists is a drive towards communication and understanding communication. And now we're switching from communication and problems being created because of communication to problems being created by language. And it's interesting because these solution-based theories, solution-oriented theories, kind of all see that people can be honored by the systems that are created for them what I mean by that is the language that's created for them, that's utilized by them, or they can be put in bondage by labels. So on our next episode, we're going to kind of zoom in to some of these solution-based, solution-oriented theories. And we're going to start with the very first theory that comes to mind, which is solution-focused theory. So that is just a little summary of Of solution-oriented theories. And remember, some of the main concepts are solutions can be developed apart from digesting or analyzing the problem. Oftentimes, the therapist seeks to maybe externalize problems. And there's also this kind of idea of co-creation between the therapist and the client uh, working together to develop these creative solutions. So I just want to thank you for listening. I did want to put a little bit of a disclaimer in that with these types of therapies, I often find myself using more of their interventions than I do their background, kind of how they see the world and how they define problems or maybe don't define problems. And so of, of all the systems we're gonna talk about, this is probably the least utilized system other than its interventions. So I'm gonna talk a little bit more in the upcoming episodes on solution focused about the various interventions that they utilize. And I'll kind of share which ones I utilize personally. Uh, but I just kinda of, kind of wanted to throw that out there so that if you're listening and you're like, whoa, I don't think I would do it quite like that or maybe that's not the best example can kind of understand um, maybe why. But I just want to take a few minutes to kind of talk about some upcoming bonus material that's going to be on the podcast. So if you live locally within, I would say, a 60-mile radius of where I currently live in southwest Minnesota, there's kind of a big thing going on in the community. A local community mental health center is closing its doors in three local counties. And so this has created quite a buzz in many local communities in which that mental health organization served. And there's been several recent paper articles that have come about it, that have come out about it, excuse me. And I just want to take some time on some bonus podcasts to kind of talk through those things for local folks who are listening to kind of provide some hope as well as to provide maybe some answers that can help the local community kind of go through this time of transition. And I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, Please share it. Please like it. Please pass it along. Uh, Please reach out if you think there's more content or you think of other content that you would like to hear. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast enough to share it with friends and family. And reach out with any questions you might have about mental health, and we will do our best in future shows to answer those questions. And remember, it might feel like you're isolated, and maybe you are, but you're not alone.